let's get into the Word of God today. We're picking back up where we left off. We're in the book of John. We only have one chapter left. That might take six more months, but we'll see. We're trying to finish the book of John. And if you've had the opportunity to come through the book of John with us, uh, listen, you should know more and more about our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he told of himself. He basically reported on himself. And John, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, he also, he's reporting, saying, listen, this is true, and he'll tell us later, hey, we touched him. We, 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 and it's a custom, obviously, of, of greeting with a kiss. We, we've touched him. Uh, we've eaten with him. Uh, we've listened to him. And John's trying to tell you, this is the truth. And he will tell us that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Today is a common story in the Bible that we know, that we're familiar with. But as we look into the Word of God today, I want you to see something different. And that today is title sermon is simply this, Looking for Jesus. Now today, people are looking for all kinds of different things, especially on New Year's. People I've seen on Facebook, they've prayed their hallelujahs to the New Year. They've claimed different things in Jesus' name. They, they've taken over sickness. They've killed cancer in Jesus' name. Have y'all seen it? Have you heard it in the past? Everybody stands up and claims it on behalf of themselves in the name of Jesus. Now what we have to be careful for is actually Jesus answers all of our prayers. Amen? Either yes, no, wait, my grace is sufficient. He's always going to answer your prayers. Garth Brooks was wrong. Thank God for unanswered prayer. He answers every prayer. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait. And many times he'll say, my grace is sufficient, as he told the Apostle Paul. But God answers prayers. But the prayers that he answers in the affirmative, the things that he wants you to know, are the things that you're praying according to his will. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm just a puppet of God. Did you choose to come here this morning? Did you choose to come in this building today? Some churches chose to close their doors today to start the new year because their, their church members stayed up too late last night. I don't know what the reason is, but here's what I want you to understand. We open up because if there was two or three of us gathered together today, we'd worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the new year. It's the time for us to start and celebrate. But really, this week is the same as last week. And, right, amen? Because it's life. Well, let's look into the Word of God today. something very common. And I want you to see even Mary Magdalene, who Jesus cast out seven demons, Matthew tells us. She loved Jesus. She was passionate about Jesus. She was a disciple of his. And she's mentioned here, and when the Bible takes off, you'll see God's mercy and his grace when the Bible starts talking about and puts a, a woman first. You, you'll see in the Bible, anywhere there's a Bible, there's grace. God's stepping in telling us something. Hey, pay attention because he's picking up and lifting up a lady in the Bible. It was because of the culture, but also because of the nature of God. So he's going to put, if you will, Mary Magdalene here in the forefront. In John chapter 20, let's begin Beginning verse 1, and you see the go along with the scripture scriptures. I put them up there for you. If you want to go out, there's more details in those other scriptures. So that's why I encourage you to take a bulletin. That's why I encourage you to take notes. That's why I encourage you to read the Word of God because you might, God might speak to you in a different way, something totally unrelated that I said today uh, because I want you to hear God, uh, not me. All right, so here we go. And unfortunately, you had to hear him through my voice or through his words. So. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Now, if you go back and look at the other passages, it says, as the sun was rising. So what was it? Dark or sun rising? Is it dark when the sun's rising? Yeah, if you ever get up early in the morning, you'll see the sun just crash. You'll see the sky start changing colors. And you go, what a beautiful what? What do we, we go to the beach. We do it often. 
want to get up and see the sunrise. I wake everybody up at least one day during the week when we go to the beach. I don't like going to the beach, but I'm forced to by my wife. So <clears throat> as I go, uh, one thing I require, require if you're going with me, if I'm paying for the place, you're going to do this if you're with us, even friends or guests or family. You're going to get up at least one day and see the glory of God when, it, when that sun breaks the horizon. Because we think of our creator, we think of the one who made us, we think of the one who created the Atlantic Ocean where we go most of the time, and, and we think of, you know what, that ocean, I'm going to show you this morning, I've told you this before, that Atlantic Ocean, guess who it belongs to? Me. You say, well, how arrogant. The Bible says I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Whatever is his is what? Mine. So when my kids, when they were little, I said, we used to go to the mountains, and y'all see those mountains? Those belong to Daddy. But they belong to our Father first. But I'm a joint heir with Jesus, so therefore what's his is mine, so those mountains are mine. Uh, that lake is mine. That place is mine. So what I, what I want you to understand this morning, watch it, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the spill the beans. Jesus referenced his disciples. What did he call them? If I am your teacher, right, what were they? They were his what? His disciples. Did y'all hear Will baptize his daughter this morning? What did he call her? And what changed? Because she was not his sister, uh, right? She's his daughter, his biological daughter. So what changed for him to call her, I baptize you? And he could have said, I baptize you, my daughter. But he also had to be spiritually correct and say, my sister. Why did he change? Because she's part of the family of God. God's her father now, so therefore that makes he and she brother and sister. So Jesus, I'll go in spoiler alert, Jesus calls his disciples not disciples when we get to the passage. Look for it, see if you can find it. He calls them something different. I want you to see, it's pretty exciting stuff. It's worth the whole reading, okay? Here we go. Now while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. This is before texting. She would have texted us. If, now, is this true? Did anybody take his body? No, so she's actually speaking what? Hearsay, right? She's making up a wives' tale. She's actually saying, they took it. Who are they? So if you're, if you're when, she, when she tells the men, you can see why Peter and John responded the way they did. Who? They. Who are they? She made it up. It was in her mind that somebody took the body of Christ. So remember this. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple in whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And she says we because there were other ladies with her. Verse uh, 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. So be careful. I want to give a side note, and I'll keep reading. Sorry for this. It's a new year. Some of you making New Year's resolutions, and you'll just pop the Bible up and say, Lord, what do you want us, us to do this year? And you might open up to this verse and it says they both ran together, and you might not have to pick up a running passage of losing weight or whatever it might be. So that's, don't do that. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. This is John bragging just a little bit in the Bible. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief, and I want to speak about that in just a little bit, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. 
Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down, and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in the white sitting, one at the head and one at the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, or Rabbi, we would say, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And I just put on my notes in my Bible, No more weeping. Amen? When you encounter the Lord Jesus Christ like this, listen, he takes your troubles far, far away. And you listen to him. When you know him, you know him, and he'll take on all your burdens because, and give you his because his are light. Let's pray together. Father God, bless the reading of your word today, and may we hear with our hearts and with our spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you go to your notes? I want you to see this in the notes. Something, I hope that you picked it up in the, where Jesus has told Mary to go tell someone. He didn't call them his disciples like he has been telling them. He has to say, go tell my disciples. He calls them what? Brothers, or King James, brethren, right? Go tell my brothers to meet me, right? Tell them what's happened. Tell them where I'm going. And then also there was a later command that he calls them. So he no longer calls them disciples or just friends. He calls them brothers. He calls them joint heirs. These are my brothers. These are my spiritual brothers and my real brothers. Well, look at your notes. Jesus' resurrection was a complete and victorious defeat over death. It was a knockout blow. Amen? It's done. Sometimes when we read the Bible, historical narratives like this, it can just be a story to us. We've heard it before in Sunday school. We've heard it as children. We've heard it as youth. We've heard it from preaching. But sometimes it's not a reality in our hearts. We don't live it out as if it's true. Now, we're going to be talking the next couple of weeks about what's coming on. If you're not paying attention to the times, y'all, there's a lot of stuff happening and I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is knocking on the door. I believe he's coming soon. And we're going to talk about it here shortly in the next couple of weeks if the Lord tarries. If we don't talk about it here, we'll talk about it up there if he comes before we get to it down here. Amen? We'll talk about it in the past tense up there if we don't get to the future tense down here. All right? He's coming. He is coming. Well, watch. The Holy, Holy Son of God overcame death once and for all. That's according to Acts chapter 2, 24. Scripture teaches us that Jesus conquered death we as Christian believers have also been granted victory over death. You have the victory. That's something you can sing about, shout about, pray about, talk about, celebrate. You have the victory. Now, we're not arrogant in that sense that we go, I'm not worried about death because we all know there's a pine box or oak box or some kind of box waiting for you and me if, we, if the Lord tarries. Amen? We're going to be pushed down. and are there's, Some of you are going to be cremated. My wife says she wants to be uh, um, Cremated, and I said, I'm going to have a taxidermy friend of mine stuff you and put you in the living room and put you on remote control. So when I need you, I'm just going to 
push the button and you're going to come to bring me, I'm going to have her hand like this for water. I just aggravated her. Um, I know some of you have lost loved ones. That's just a joke between she and I have been running for about 30 years. Yo, we all are going to face death. Amen? The physical death. The Bible says this body is the temporary tent. This is a temporary dwelling. Some of us like going camping or tent camping, right? But not for long. As soon as the mosquitoes start, right? As soon as sorrow starts, as soon as the back gets sore, it's time to go back home and get in your permanent dwelling. And even that's not permanent here on earth. But we understand these bodies, there's a day coming that we're all going to have a death date. We have a birth date and we have a death date according to what the scripture says. So when we're living in the middle of that birthday and death day, listen, let us remember that we have a responsibility to listen to God, to obey God, and then to trust Him for the outcome of our lives. You say, well, my life's complicated. You don't understand all the problems. You're right, I don't, but you don't understand mine either. But that's the good news is we serve a God who understands everything. How many of y'all know our representative for our, our your district? I can't say ours because we're from all the kind of different districts. Who knows your senator? by name. Who is eating at your senator's home? Anybody eating at Joe Biden's house? Anybody eating at Donald Trump's house? We talk about these people because the news tells us about who they are, what they've done right or wrong, and we talk ourselves about them like we know them. You don't know them. If you don't eat with them, if you don't hang out with them, you don't know them, so please don't talk about like you know them. You can pray for them, you can hold them accountable. You can call them. You can tell them what you think, but you don't know them. You think you know them because they in a certain party or a certain way, but you don't know them. Y'all, listen, this is the good news. We know the King of Kings, the creator of the universe. We know him, and he knows us. The Bible says he knows our name. He knows the number of hairs on our head. This is the one who counts, right? The presidents come and go. Kings live and die. Senators come and go, but there's one who sits forever on the throne that we know him personally. I know his name, and he knows my name. He knows my sitting down, the Bible says. He knows my lying down, the Bible says. He knows my up and going, the Bible says. And the Bible says he has a plan for my life. He told Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. And if you knew the plans for Jeremiah, he's not forgetful like some of us. He knows the plans that he has for, fill in your blank, fill in your name. He knows you, and you can know him. But you can't be like Mary Magdalene looking for the living among the dead. You've got to be looking in the right place for Jesus. Well, Scripture teaches us since Jesus conquered death, here we are. We have the victory. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How does that make you feel? He loved us first. We were sorry, good for nothings, right? And then he loved us first. Christ loved us first. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, he loved us. He knew we were sinners. He knew what Adam and Eve did in the garden. He foreknew all of this, and yet he gave us himself. He died for us. In the front of your bulletin, you see there, John three sixteen. how simple could we put a Bible verse, but this year, how should we start out? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? This is good news. Why are we not sharing this good news with the world? All of us should be full-on evangelist telling everybody we can find about the love of Jesus Christ. It is our personal responsibility, but it also should be our personal love. I love to tell you the truth. When, when Scripture speaks, God speaks. Would you agree? Because it's God's holy word. The Bible is God's holy word. When we seek Him first, He will show Himself because He is faithful. Read Matthew chapter 6. If you're having a struggle with worry in the new year, 
How are you going to pay bills? Anybody have bills to pay? Anybody have not, uh, too much month, not enough money sometimes? It happens. What do we do when we stress out about, I need a new outfit, I need a new um, a, a grocery list, a run, whatever it might be. The Bible tells us first, seek him first and his righteousness and all the stuff we have need of, he's there to provide it for us. That's the God that we serve. That's the God we celebrate at Christmas. That's the God that we sung about this morning when I was here in the back. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is he holy? Are we holy? He lives inside of me. The Bible says, be holy as I'm holy, says the Lord. That's scripture. So when scripture speaks, who speaks? God speaks. So when the Bible says, be holy as I'm holy, that's in conversation, that's in texting, that's in emails, that's in living, that's in everything that we do. We live a holy life because, listen, what if he comes today at your best moment? Hey, wouldn't that be a good day? You're in the middle of sharing the gospel and saying, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus, I was sharing the gospel and taking up. But what about in your worst time? You, don't you want to live a life so holy as best you can through the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, it's not you doing good works only. It's you, him provoking you to do good works. Hey, him pushing you, prodding you. Go do the good works. Go tell her about Christ. Go tell him about Christ. Listen, watch your mouth. Don't say that. Act this way. Obey. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't you want to live like that when Christ returns? Because he is returning. We know this. We should be living like he's coming because he is. Matthew 6 is a very encouraging passage of scripture for you to read the whole chapter it'll take you about less than three minutes to read it if you have struggles with worry debt finances food clothing whatever it is read it and he will deal with you there i want you to see this mary magdalene truly loved jesus with a god-honoring love a god-honoring love she rose early sunday morning to visit the tomb where jesus was laid the da vinci code and all those crazy books have been written about a love affair between mary magdalene and jesus those are from fools who don't know God. Those are atheists or agnostics who don't know God, and they could possibly put on a holy, perfect God, could be tempted by one of his creations. He can't be tempted by his creations. He was, listen, he was tempted every way we're tempted, but he never sinned because why? He is God, and God cannot sin. Otherwise, we have a false God. So anyone who writes that, or if you even spent time reading that, shame on you that Jesus might have this, some spirit child somewhere, or he might have some kind of a hookup somewhere else. You don't know God. Amen? And the same thing about the Mormon church, when they talk about God the Father and God the Mother just populating this planet so that when you do it, if you're a good Mormon, you'll get to do the same thing. They don't know God. Your Mormon friends, your Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saint, as they call themselves, do not know God. Well, Pastor, I, I know some good moral people. They, and we make every excuse under the sun. Your friends or your coworkers don't know God. They can't if they speak of him in a false way. If I say Jesus might have had a girlfriend, if Jesus had a wife, they don't know God. That should bother you to the core. That Listen, they're going to hell. You say, well, they sound good. And they're better than me. They're more moral than me. They don't even drink caffeine, Pastor. They get their kids get up early and study the Bible. They study the doctrines of their faith is what it is. I don't care who it is. Those that drive around in the old Chevrolet Caprices knock on your door. They want to come by, right? From bicycle riders to Chevrolets when they come to your door. They don't know God. They think Jesus is some fabrication of some angel. That's not God. If they don't know God, they're going to hell. That should bother you to the core. And that's not what I say. That's actually what the Word of God says. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you say there's another way, you're calling him a liar, and you're lying yourself. Anybody that comes out and says there's another way, be weary of them. Anyone that comes out and says, listen, you don't have because you're not naming it and claiming it in Jesus' name. There'll be preachers slobbering all over the pulpit, and they'll laugh at people like us that believe the Scripture. They'll come up and say, those people, those Southern Baptists, they'll list us out and say, oh, those people, they don't believe. Listen, because we claim it in Jesus' name. And they'll say something like that, and they'll emphasize, and they'll tell you to give and put a seed of harvest, right? They'll plant it so it'll grow up, and they might get rich. It's not for you. That seed harvest most of the televangelists are talking about is for them. It's for their airplane. It's for their Rolls Royce. It's for their fancy cars, for their big house. It's for them. They put themselves on the throne and calling themselves, listen, oh, I'm just a messenger, but he's king of kings, so I'm going to get some of his. They want what they want. Think of Paul asking you to sow a seed that he might buy a Cadillac or Mercedes or whatever your car of Expensive car choices. Imagine Paul saying, hey, Philippian church, thank y'all. Y'all are a poor church, but y'all need to give a seed. Sow a seed so that I can buy some new Arabian stallions that are coming in from Rome. Rome's been breeding them, and I'm going to buy a few of those because I need to get around swiftly. Right? I can't take donkeys, can't take camels, can't take Route 11 with my feet, but I need Arabian horses so I can get around. And also I need a nice golden chariot because everybody knows that the messenger of God needs to have the bling on so that he actually looks like He's the king of king's son. How did Paul live? He said, I know how to live when it's nice, because Paul was a Pharisee. Paul's mom and dad probably had a lot of money, because he's, he's, a, he's a Jew, but he's also a Roman citizen. So you had to buy your citizenship. Paul was from a wealthy family. We, we believe that because of his education, because of where he lived, because of all the assets that he had. Paul says, I know what it's like to live like, hit, like this. And then he said, I know what it's like to have nothing. But he says, and we use it out of context, Romans 4, right? What is it? Romans 4, 13. I can do what? All things through Christ which strengthens me. Here I can serve him. Here I can serve him. Most people, most football players, they'll put it on their face. Most of y'all get more excited about Carolina, Clemson, and Georgia than you do about Jesus. God forbid we stay up late and watch bowl games and Super Bowls, but we won't stay up late to prayer a prayer meeting, or the word, read the Word of God. Your Bible's over there, call, God calling. Come to me, seek me, look for me. You won't find me in face paint. Just because you write John 3.16 in a black marker in your face doesn't mean that you're worshiping Him. Some of these guys taking knees now before the game. They're trying to be, look at me, I'm, I'm a Christian. And they get right in the middle of the field. They won't do it in their private. Bible says do it quietly. Go, go to your corner. Go to your closet and pray. Don't come out on the field. And some of them are finishing up with a little Catholic cross. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what they're saying to the world. God forbid that we live like that in 2023. This is a new year. Live like the Bible says we're supposed to live. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Amen? That was a different sermon. Let's get going. All right. So don't let people get trapped into the Da Vinci Code or any of that stupidity that says Jesus had a love relationship with another woman in a physical way. He was God. He has a love relationship with every single one of us personally, but it's not through a physical love. He's not attracted to you because he's God. Everything that you got, he gave you. He made it. He made you out of dirt. Ladies, he made you out of bone. God's not attracted to dirt, just for the record. He loves dirt, right? 
but he's not attracted to dirt. So don't let anybody trap you into that crazy mess talking like that. If you won't listen to reason or let's share an argument, I'd have no time to waste that you actually want to tell me about your stupid philosophy or theology. It's stupidity 101. Amen? Y'all nudge your neighbor and wake them up. I see kids knocked out. Wake them up. They need to hear this because what's going to happen? Everybody nudge your, go ahead, nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. Tell them, wake up. Late night, nudge them. Wake up. Hey, if I can see you, you can see me. Listen, wake them up. I don't like, like I'm going to come down and wake them up if you don't wake them up. I'm going to knock them on the head. Wake them up. I'm coming. I'm coming. Here I come. All right. She, Mary Magdalene, along with other ladies, visited Joseph's tomb to anoint the body of Jesus as was the custom of the Jews. So what did the Jews do? They anointed, They actually wrapped the body in spices. You can read Matthew and you can read Luke. They wrapped the bodies, obviously because of the weather. It would stink. The body would stink. After four days, the body was considered rotten and decaying. The prophecy said about Jesus, his body would never see decay. So what day did he have to get up on? Day three. He had to get up on day one, two, or three. What day did he say he was going to get up on? Day three. So Jesus got up on day three, so did his body see decay? No. Did his bones get broken? No, because the Word of God says so, and when the Word of God speaks, God speaks. Amen? So listen, look. She came with other ladies to the tomb to anoint the body. She wanted to add some extra spices because they were stuck on the Passover and the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything on the Sabbath, so they had to wait a day. They came on the first day of the week. They came on Sunday to anoint his body. And here they come to the tomb. If you read Matthew's account, Mark's account, Luke's account, the Bible says there was a great earthquake so that the angel of the Lord came down, picked up the stone. It says it rolled away. That's, that's a very nice way of saying it. But if you read, as I study it from other scholars, you read it in the original, that the, the angel earthquake happened and he picked it up and he slammed the stone out of the way. It was a declarative statement that he is risen. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that all the disciples could get in and see that it was empty. Here's a note for us men, though. Watch what Jesus did. It talks about his handkerchief. We're going to see that in just a moment. It actually was a head covering. It was a prayer shawl is what it was. Mary was looking, and I tried to put it in bold. I don't know if it came out on your notes. Mary was, look at all the words looking and viewed, and everyone's looking for these different things. Mary was looking for a dead Jesus. She panicked over a missing corpse. She went there to do what? To anoint his body. She's expecting a dead body. She wanted to walk to the tomb. How are we going to get into the Matthew discusses? How are we going to get into the tomb? The women, there's several women with her. And when they get to the tomb, they, this is when all this happens. So John just cuts right to the story and tells us the quick facts. It's like a bullet information. They're talking about how they're going to get in. They get there and they come to anoint his body. That's all they want to do. Wrap him up. They want to actually, he's already wrapped. They want to wrap spices around his his linen cloths, and they want to do a proper burial for Jesus and then share some tears, share some stories like we do at a funeral, and then potentially go home. But when they get there, he's gone. So she's not looking for a living Jesus. She's living, looking for a dead Jesus. And that's how many people today, especially in our culture in America, everybody's satisfied with a dead Jesus. Because many of our Catholic friends still wear a cross or a crucifix with Jesus on the cross. Brothers and sisters, he's no longer on the cross. He's been buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. There's no room for Jesus on the cross today. Anybody could have died. Anybody could have been buried. But only Jesus could be raised from the dead. Amen? And live forevermore. There's other people who were raised. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but they, did he die? Yeah, he died again. He died twice. What a terrible experience, right? 
But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is not on the cross. We don't kill him every time we take the Lord's Supper. There is no transubstantiation. This does not become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I was talking to a Catholic friend not long ago, and I said, what do you do for alcoholics? Because they serve real wine in the Catholic church when they serve it. What do you think to do? Do you know? Do you have any Catholic friends? If you're an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic, what do they do? Because what do they actually, they use real wine, so what would you serve an alcoholic real wine? And they said, well, no, we, we basically, we, we don't serve alcoholics. There's an there's a exception to the rule. And right now, the Catholic Church is not serving the cup, so you can't drink out of the cup, so you just take the wafer when they do communion. They're just doing the wafer right now because of COVID. No cup. Listen, without the blood, we have no salvation, amen? It's remembrance. We don't drink the blood. And when a priest blesses the Catholic wine, it becomes, they believe it becomes the transubstantiation, it becomes the actual blood of Jesus Christ. They are actually killing Jesus every time they do communion. It's his blood, his real blood. It's his real body. Because the priest blessed it and said so. Go check it for yourself. Some of y'all are looking at me with doubt. Check it for yourself and look and see. So my question about the alcoholic was, what about the guy that's an alcoholic? Because I still believe it's wine because I don't believe it's blood. Because I don't believe a priest has magical powers or spiritual powers to change it from water, I mean from a, a uh, wine to blood and even as a kid I used to hear that and say well, I'd just go get into the blood bank and get me a syringe of the blood and stick it in my body and then what would happen if you had the blood of Jesus in you what would happen it don't matter what his blood type is he's perfect right so if you get his blood what's going to happen to your blood you're going to become perfect but they don't serve the alcoholics because there's an exception for them because they're what alcoholics that means the the wine stays what? Wine. How, how foolish could we be to play these games that we could say, well, oh, there's an exception to the rule. All this is extra. And, and look at every religion. There's extra. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus himself didn't take the bread and go, <laughs> he didn't bite off his arm and say, eat this. Did he? He took the bread they were eating at supper. When it was over, he said, take this. And I want you to remember this, fellas. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember this cup, fellas. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the church does that, that's the two ordinances that we have today. That's why I celebrated today in the baptism pool. We're told to baptize, make disciples, baptize, teach. And then we're also told to do this in remembrance of him until he comes. This is the command of Jesus. Well, let's speed along because someone moved my clock, so I don't know where, what time it is. Here we go. All right. Mary was looking for a dead Jesus. She panicked over a missing corpse. That's true. Mary ran and reported the empty grave to Peter and John. Both Peter and John ran to the burial tomb. They both, here's another look, they both viewed the massive entrance stone out of the way. They both viewed an empty tomb, and they both viewed the linen grave clothes of Jesus. Now, the grave clothes was what, how the Jews would actually, they would wrap, wrap a body in linen cloths and strips. So the clothing would be like strips of clothing that would actually rewrap the body, almost like a mummified body like they would have probably learned back down in Egypt a long time ago. But over the head, once the body was wrapped, they would take the prayer shawl and they would drape it. This is the separate piece. They would drape the prayer shawl like you would do when you go into the synagogue or when you would pray before the Lord. It's a picture of just the privacy between you and God. And so what happens, this is the handkerchief, or if you look at the other translations, this is the cloth, the separate cloth, that was draped over Jesus' head, his body, and he took time to care. The Jews fold that in a very specific way. So if you and I, 
If you struggle folding towels, you'd struggle being a Jew with this headpiece, right? Because it's folded in certain, my corners never line up. You can ask Wendy, and she's like, just don't fold it. And I always ask Chris if I've washed towels after baptism. She always folds them just right. I don't fold them. My, my corners never line up. I go corner to corner like y'all do. The Jews would do the very same thing. There was a certain way to fold this headpiece. And to Peter, Peter would walk in, and he would know for sure exactly when he saw that headpiece, what would he know? No Roman did this. This is not a Roman taking his body. And there's only just a bunch of Jews in town. They said if somebody took him, it had to be a bunch of Jews because they took time to actually take care of that handkerchief or that headpiece, that prayer shawl. They took time to fold it and leave it in place. And it was separate from the other clothing. Look at your Bible. I'll give you some references because I was writing them down. Um, You go back and look at Matthew. You can look at uh, Luke also. It talks about when Peter saw that cloth. And then watch the scripture. Because go back to verse 7. Excuse me, verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief or the headpiece that had been around his head. That's why it says, because you think of a handkerchief, we think of a, something we pull out of our pocket and we blow our nose with or we just have it for style. It wasn't that. It was the headpiece, the prayer shawl, if you would, that's around the head. That's what he noticed. Watch this. He saw the cloth, and he noticed and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloth. So the clothing's over here, and then the headpiece is folded over here. But it was, look what the Bible says. It was, what did your Bible say? Folded together in a place by itself. There was a custom. It was folded in a specific way. Listen, even a dead cloth of grave clothing could actually be a witness to Peter about the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody took care to take that, I'm sure it was bloodstained, and put it there by itself. Verse 8, then the other disciple came to the tomb first, went in also, he saw and believed. What did they see? They see these linen cloths. Let's continue, I want to finish this up because this is important. Peter marveled at what he saw, saw, it's a looking, remember? John began believing in the hope of the resurrection when he looked at the evidence. He took a view of the evidence. Evidence shows something's happened here. Evidence shows the guards are gone. They knew the guards were posted. Why were they meeting in the upper room? Why were they afraid? Because they knew they were next. They were followers of Jesus, so they're waiting. This has only been three days. It's passed, right? So the bad guys are out looking for these guys. So they're hiding, if you will. They're gathering together. Where only they know where each other is, and they're going to their homes and saying, listen, stay low, right? Stay low because they're coming for you all. Peter, they're probably going to come for you next because you were the mouth of the south, right? You were there. You denied Christ, but then they knew that you cut the dude's ear off. They can't help but know you, Peter. They're, going, they're coming for you. And John, you were close to him. He's, they're coming for you. Lay low. Keep your family safe. Stay out of the way. That's what they were doing because they actually went to their, to their homes, you'll see. Well, they looked at the evidence. Peter and John returned to their homes. Mary, now, she makes her second trip back to the tomb. If you're not careful, you just think she's standing there the whole time. She's not standing there the whole time. She was there. She has an encounter with these angels, and then she runs and tells Peter and John. Where are Peter and John? At their homes. And then Peter and John run to the tomb. And they go in and look, they observe the evidence, and then they leave and go back to their homes. And here's Mary back over here at the tomb. She didn't just just fly back over here. The story, if you're not careful, you'll just read this one story. She comes back to the tomb, so she's back there, and here's her encounter. Watch this. This is pretty cool stuff, and you need to read the other passages today because it's very, very enlightening what happened. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down, and she did what? What did your Bible say? And it's been added. But it's because it's obvious. If, yours, if it's in italics, it's been added to your Bible. What does yours say? 
Some say, New King James says she looked. Some Bible says she peered in. She's taking a what? Look. Who's she looking for? Well, now she knows he's not there because this is her second time there. What is she looking for? Hoping for a miracle? Hoping for something special? She's taking a look, and she looks in, and whoa, something's happened now. What's this? Here they are. And she saw two angels in the white sitting, one at the head and one at the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Where were those angels when Peter and John went in the tomb? Where were they? They were in heaven waiting for their assignment because angels are what? Does the Bible say? Ministering spirits of God. So when God says go, guess what they do? Well, God, would you like me to go today? They're not like us where we rebel. We've got to, well, let me get stuff in order and then I'm going to get, you know, go. And so the timing was go. And guess what they did? They went. They did exactly what Jesus said to do. It's, it, this is amazing when you go back and read. And they even ask in Matthew, why are you looking for the living among the dead? How about that for us today? Why are we satisfied with a dead Jesus? Why are we not excited about a living Jesus? Our God is alive. At any moment you can speak to him. The Bible says we may come boldly before his throne. Any request at any time. We can ask him anything. And if we ask, listen, if we mess up and ask for the wrong thing, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will fix it before it gets there. Isn't that amazing to think about? We're pampered by God. If you just realize the relationship that you have with him, he loves you so much, he'll do it all for you. If you only believe. But you've got to be looking in the right place. And he's got to draw you to himself first and foremost. Let's finish up here. I want you to see this. This is good stuff. Peter and John returned to their homes. Mary returned to the tomb, weeping, and she looked into the tomb. There she is. She looked again and had an encounter with two angels. Mary could see the empty grave, but instead of a resurrected Lord, she thought someone stole the corpse of Jesus. She's still thinking in her mind, somebody stole the corpse, right? She's still dwelling on the physical Jesus that was there that died. The angels asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? They said to her, he is not here, but he is what, church? He is risen, and remember, I gave you Matthew 24, 1 through 11, read that. He's, remember what he said? That's what the angels said. Don't you remember what he said? Because when scripture speaks, guess what happens? God speaks. And it's, and it's fact. So when we see that when the angels speak, we have originally the Holy Spirit motivating the word of God to be spoken in prophetic word. Then we have the God speaking. Jesus himself spoke. John 3.16 was a quote from Jesus. And then we have angels speaking saying, how much more do you need to hear? You see nothing, but listen to what God said. Remember, he said he's going to be risen again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And John's going to emphasize that in just a couple weeks. I told you, I told you, I told you. God's like, how many times can you possibly hear this and not act on it? How about for us today in the 21st century in 2023? How many times must we hear this each week? How many times must we sing it, say it, pray it, play it? How many times must we do it before we actually go and make, become a disciple of Christ? Some of y'all are going to be the same in 2023 as you were in 2022, 2021, 2020. You got more excited about COVID than you did about Jesus. Amen? We did. We talked about it. It was in the news. How about if Jesus was in the news? Here's what I can't figure out. I couldn't figure out since I became a Christian. I traveled the world. I've been around several continents. And I said, everywhere I've been, every single place I've ever been, guess who's there? From America. Guess who's there? Does anybody want to take a guess? McDonald's. They're in a bunch of places. Coca-Cola. 
There's a Coke or a Sprite in every place I've ever set foot in the world that I've been. I've been into some remote places in China. I've been into very remote places in Africa. It's amazing to find out they want to serve you a hot Sprite in a glass bottle and goat intestines. Once they kill the goat, they pull out the stuff and offer you goat intestines and a hot Sprite. Anybody willing, takers? Isn't it amazing? So my question is, how does, the, how does Coke get their message around the world? When we've been preaching this message, Coke hadn't been around for 2,000 years. The message of Jesus Christ has been around for 2,000 years. How come the message of Jesus Christ has not reached? We talk about, as Southern Baptists, unreached people's group. Keep giving that we might go. I'm about tired of giving because our missionaries get off their bump and go. Amen? Come on. Amen? And if you, you don't want to say amen because you are the missionaries. You are the missionary here in Aiken, South Carolina. Get off your bump and go. Go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Be bold in the Lord. Stand knowing that he's with you. He's got your back. He said, I'm with you always till the end of the age. And I think the age is coming soon. But we're more embarrassed and we're more thinking about our, well, pastor, if I do that and we fill in the blank. Can you let 2023, let Jesus fill in the blank? If he's with you, never to leave you, never to forsake you, and he commands you to go, would you go? Would you just step out in faith in 2023 and say, Lord, wherever you send me, whatever you tell me to say, I'm going to say and I'm going to go. I'll do it when you say to do it. I won't get my house necessarily in order. When I moved to Town Creek, we moved here as pastor. We left a great church. We were on staff, had great schools, had the best house we've ever had, had nice cars. We had everything that was going on good for life, as, you call, as we call life. But God called us here. Do you know how long it took me to sell my house? Because I hear pastors saying, we know it was the will of God because we sold our house the very next day that we answered the call of ministry here. You know how long it took Wendy and I to sell our house? Five stinking years. We had missionaries that we let stay in our house for free. They destroyed our house. They destroyed it because it was free. We had to do all that repair. And then Wendy's friends, I can't say it because in case they watch, Wendy let some of her friends live in there that were a little more highfalutin than we were, and they wanted to change things. And it, it cost me another 10000 plus. And I'm going through struggles here at this church. Some of you have been here. We're going through struggles our first few years here. And then we have a house there and here going, Lord, what in the world? we got no more money. We got, what are we going to do? And I hear all these preachers saying, we knew it was God's will because our house sold like that. And I'm like, am I in the will of God? And what do I do? I go back to the scripture and the call of God, and we know 100% we're in the will of God. Because it was a test, one, to see, would you do what I say to do? But also at the same time, it was a, hey, test me and prove me now here with it. Keep giving, keep giving and watch me. And what did God do? I want to stand here today, almost 14 years later, telling you God was and is faithful. Amen? That's the God that we serve. That's this risen Lord and Savior. Jesus had compassion on Mary and spoke with Mary. When Mary saw Jesus, she rejoiced and desired to embrace him strongly. She didn't want to let him go. You read Matthew's account. He tells her to. And then look, here's the most important part of the passage today. Verse 17. Go back and read this together with me. Follow with me. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But, what does your next word say in your Bible? Go. Go. He's, she has a great commission to the disciples. Go to my brethren and say to them, I, have, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. If you look at the notes, Jesus gave Mary a commission Go, go to my brothers and tell the brothers the good news while he ascended to the Father. 
Last part, fill in the blank, Mary obeyed the commands of Jesus. Are we proud of Mary? Are we thankful for Mary? The answer is yes. She's, she's lived out, she's been changed by Jesus. He cast out, Matthew said, seven demons out of her. She loves Jesus. She's lived a very vile, rough, ugly life. The demon-possessed life that some of us never experienced. She was into everything that comes with being demon possession. Jesus delivered her from that, and she owed a debt of gratitude that she could not repay, and yet she wanted to tell everybody, listen, that's my Lord and my Savior. That's why she's panicked over words to his body. I will take care of it if you just let me. And lo and behold, he's already risen, and he tells her, Mary, go tell my brothers, my brothers. And listen, today, when he told his brothers where to meet him on the mountain, because 40 days, Jesus popped in, popped out. He was seen by over 500. And then he gave the disciples a commission. Go, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. That's your commission. That's my commission. Here's my question. Are you making disciples today? No, correction. You are making disciples today. Little kids want to be like their daddies and their mamas. They want to be like their grandma and grandpas. They want to be like their uncles and aunts. My question, are you making disciples for Jesus Christ today? Is, are, are you living a God-honoring life in 2023? Did you do it in 2022? It's easy to ask your grandkids. If you just, you should do that sometimes. Let somebody question your grandkids and, or your kids, and, and they'll tell you the truth. They'll say, Mom and Dad said they ain't coming to church today because they don't feel like it. Mom and Dad said, the Super Bowl's coming on. You, don't, you preach too long. We ain't going to get out of church today. Mom and Dad said, and the kids, would, I used to be a children's minister for 13 years. Children's ministries and those who work there know everything about your family. Trust me. Any prayer requests? Oh, yeah. My daddy's drinking alcohol. My mama fusses him all the time. Would you? And it's amazing to hear. Kids tell the truth. Here's the deal. If your kids were on trial today asking to be a witness against you, would they witness say, my mom, my daddy, my grandma, my grandpa, my aunt, my uncle, they tell me about Jesus. They show me about Jesus. Or would it be, no, they complain all the time. They have roasts every Sunday. They roast the pastor. They roast the music. They roast the Sunday school teacher or the Catholic teacher. They would have roast every Sunday. Because that can turn a kid off from the church, I'm telling you. They can turn them off from the Lord. Make sure you're making disciples for Jesus Christ in 2023. Just prior to us having the Lord's Supper, we want to give an invitation for us to come. If you need to pray, listen, ask God, Lord, this year, and I'm going to ask the whole congregation to do this together. Pray, Lord, change my heart. Because how do I know that 2022 wasn't as spiritually profitable for you as it should have been? Look at your pew. Look beside you, left and right. Everybody just take a look real quick. Go ahead and look left and right. Some of your guests, so this is, you should do this at your home church. If there's not somebody that you brought to church with you, you need to fix that. You need to be bringing your neighbors and your friends, not because they hear me, but they need to hear Jesus today. You need to be sharing with them, loving on them. Church is the safest place to bring them. Well, except for our church. It's pretty dangerous because we speak the truth in love. But I want you to know, listen, you're commanded by God, like Mary was, go. She was to go to the brothers. We've been commanded to go to the world. It's time for us to get up and go. It's time for us to quit complaining about missionaries. It's time for us to spend hours with Jesus and get up and go. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much that you love us. Lord, I'm thankful that we don't know everything because should we know everything, Lord, we would become arrogant and pompous. And Lord, we would not spend time with you. I'm glad that we don't have everything because, Lord, why would we pray if we did? Lord, thank you for letting us be dependent on you, loving you, and you in turn, Lord, loving us back. Lord, thank you for the scriptures that we can actually have the truth in your word 
where, Lord, we can actually, whereby we can actually become disciples of Christ. No longer taking religious edicts, no longer taking words from different people, but, Lord, from your word specifically. And then, Lord, when there's two or three that are, get, uh, that are gathered, Lord, to agree, Father, we would speak your word in every church. We pray for Town Creek, that, Lord, we would continue to be that church. Lord, help us when we fail you, because we are sinners who have been redeemed. Thank you for your love and thank you for the challenge that we have. Thank you for even what we call New Year. It's nothing to you, but it's new for us. We have to remember to write the correct date. Father, let us have the correct living in 2023. Let us make disciples of Jesus Christ, starting in our own homes and then in our workplaces, in our communities, or wherever you send us, in our schools, wherever you send us, Lord. Let us be disciples of Jesus Christ. We pray, we beg you in Jesus' name, for sake, amen.